Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. It's that time. Baseball's back. Opening day. It's a beautiful time to be a baseball fan. But with that, obviously you have some fandom and you want some stuff to buy, right? So our good friends at FOCO have you laced up, ready to go for that. For being a, a, a dedicated listener to this year's podcast, the Bleed Los podcast, on the description below, if you click on that link, uh, on whatever platform you're listening to on this podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever, Google, Apple, uh, or I'm sorry, Google App Store you may be listening from, there is a dedicated link that if you click on that, it'll take you on over to FOCO's website. And once you add whatever to the cart, it'll give you a discount for being a dedicated listener to this year's podcast. Thank you, huge thank you to them for uh, supporting the podcast, for supporting Dodgers Beat. And uh, and again, they'll get you laced up with whatever you want. They've been doing a fantastic job with these World Series uh, uh, bobbleheads. They've done great work on them. Super stoked to be getting those any day now. And, uh, you know, again... Terms and conditions do apply. Please see the FOCO website for more details. But if you click on that link, it'll take you to the website. Add whatever you want to your cart. It'll apply a discount. Uh, Again, terms and conditions do apply. Please see FOCO's website for more details. Huge thank you to FOCO. FOCO FOCO.com. F-O-C-O. And as always, Bleedlos. Not the podcast, but the clothing company, Bleedlos. You know, it's funny, on this podcast, we talk a lot about, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. But I'm surprised that Bleedlos hasn't sued us yet, because we're using their name clearly. So, if you go to www.bleedlos.com, you can check out uh, the Joe Kelly fight shirts, you know, the, the Kulichi shirts, you know, for Julio Diaz. All that stuff is there. Uh, you can check it all out. Uh, if you Once you enter whatever you want to your, uh, to your cart... And you enter the code Bleed Loss Pod, you will save 10% on your purchase. Uh, and again, terms and conditions do apply. Please see the Bleed Loss website for more details. But huge thanks to Bleed Loss for, uh, for supporting this here podcast. Uh, two programming things. Uh, one, all of these podcasts are going to begin to drop every single Monday throughout the season. We're super stoked to be discussing regular season baseball with you all. Uh, so as always, please chime in on uh, on Twitter, subscribe, any feedback that you can leave us, we will gladly take because also it helps us able to book guests and we want to book the best guests that we can for you. So uh, to all you loyal uh, subscribers and listeners, huge thank you to you. Uh, one other uh, thing to note is uh, we have our own Twitter account now, Bleed Los Pod. Um, we have uh, our own Twitter account, like I said. It's, it's not just going to be exclusively through the uh, the, the Dodgers B Twitter. Uh, so now it's at Bleed Los Pod. So we'll be tweeting out there, you know, uh, all, all things related to this podcast and all things Dodgers too. So um, again, at Bleed Los Pod, please give it a follow. As always, any questions you might have throughout the week, you know, throw us a line uh, with that handle and we'll gladly address them for you on the podcast so we'll, we'll check those every week we'll do like a weekly mailbag uh so please send over any questions concerns outbursts complaints whatever send it over and we'll gladly address it uh but again thank you to foco to bleed loss and to you the dedicated listener to this podcast without you guys 
we wouldn't be doing it. So to all you loyal subscribed uh, listeners and, and, you know, to, to our podcast, to the Dodgers Beat uh, website, thank you. Huge thank you. But without further ado, here's another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Hello, friends, and just like that, it is. It's we're talking regular baseball. It's your boys Alonso y Juan with the voice in the sky, the babyface killer himself, Roger. And uh, this week we are joined by a, a special guest, uh, Stephen Webb. Stephen is a is a writer for uh, for Dodgers Beat, obviously the platform that uh, we do this podcast with. Stephen, how you doing, man? Doing great. Glad to be here. Thank you again for joining us. And sure uh, and Juan, uh, I know that you've been reading Stephen's articles. You you've been hyping them up. Uh, what what can you uh, tell us about some of the articles that he's been dropping? Well, uh, Stephen did a wonderful uh, preview series. So now that we are in the first full swing week of Major League Baseball, I, I would take it for those of you who hadn't had an opportunity to read those articles, go back and uh, and read those articles, get ready for the season. Also find out if Stephen was right, you know, with his predictions. But he has, there are, these articles are all available on the Dodgers Beat website, so feel free to log on and, and check those out. But he has a preview for every position in, uh, we're talking pitchers, you know, everything one through nine. So two of the articles that I actually want to point out and I want to talk to Stephen about, um, you know, now that we've had these first four games and uh monitoring the social media i see that uh matt Beatty is getting a lot of hate from dodger fans now mind you matt Beatty hasn't had that many plate appearances yet but uh he he hasn't he doesn't have anything to show for it but matt Beatty was part of your first base preview uh steven and in that first base preview it was Primarily that we're going to see Max Muncy at, get the majority of the time. Mind you, Max Muncy is the, I think he's the only Dodger position player that played all four games this weekend. Correct me if I'm wrong there, guys. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so aside from Max Muncy, uh, who else would we see at first base? Probably Cody Bellinger, right? But you had listed Matt Beatty as an option at first base. And when I read that, I thought that was really interesting because I thought, you know, I don't think that guy has a natural position. Uh, yeah, they put him in the outfield and I've seen him play first base. Do you think that first base is Matt Beatty's best position? Is that his natural position? What are your you know, prospects on Matt Beatty this year? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm not that high on Matt Beatty. I don't think he's very high up on the depth chart in any position, to be honest, because, you know, it, the, he he could play, I guess, outfield, but but you know, you've got uh, Pollock and 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 Taylor and now McKinstry, who who are probably better outfielders than he is, and and he he could play some infield, but really the only place. He's played infield in the big leagues is, is first base. Um, he's he in 2019. I guess he got uh, 
35 games at first base, at least a few innings. And, and then last year he did, he had 13 games that he played at first last year. Um, So, uh, you know, that's certainly been his primary position in the infield, but, but, you know, it's, you're right. You're, I don't. I think you know he, he's more of like uh, a classic DH kind of guy. Uh, uh, if, if the DH couldn't hit that well, <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's Beatty is is I think not going to be a great piece this year. Um, it, it, I, th- I think you know in, in a in a pinch he'll do in first. I think at a pinch he'll do in left. But, but, uh, you know, boy, I, I, I wouldn't count on him for much defense. Um, it, it, it's, you know, I, I think he, he, the, the best thing that Matt Beatty is, is he's a, a decent bat. If you need somebody to jack one late in the game, um, I, I think, you know, he's got some pop and he, he can go deep. So, so there, there's that as probably his, his best asset right now. I don't see him getting a lot of time in the field this year, maybe a lot of pinch hitting and uh, DHing in American league parks or something like that. Um, that's sort of what I would see as uh, the future for Matt Beatty this year, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, certainly first base is a place where uh, everybody who played there last year underperformed um, you know, Max, Max Muncie, who really came on strong in the playoffs, uh, was was sort of hard to watch during the regular season with a lot of swings and misses and a lot of um, uh, misjudgments of of pitches and and uh, he just was not looking good at the plate. He only hit 192 for the whole regular season last year, um, but he he got his walks and he got uh, enough of of uh, OPB to uh, to get um, you know a decent a decent bit of, uh, uh, scoring done, but, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, first base is, it was a bit of a question mark for me. Cause, cause if, if we get the same kind of performances this year that we got last year out of those guys, it's not going to be a great position for us. That's a very interesting point that you say. Um, because if you think, you know, whenever Muncie does get rest, do you think then, uh, Cody Bellinger is going to get the majority of the time at first base when Muncie is resting. You know, that's the, that's the way I would go. I would put Bellinger at first and, and put Pollock into center um, and, and have Taylor play, play left. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, Be- Bellinger is going to be good in the field wherever we put him. That's for sure. But, but uh, you know, I think Beatty's going to get some, some action over there. Uh, you know, maybe if the game's out of hand or, uh, uh, but I know he's certainly not going to be a defensive replacement ever. Well, one of the other players that was getting a lot of heat on social media after this first week of the baseball season uh, was Jimmy Nelson. And you also wrote a very nice profile on Jimmy Nelson. Uh, yes, Jimmy Nelson has pitched an inning in two thirds. And if we want to go ahead and overreact in this first week of baseball we can go ahead and say that jimmy nelson has had a a rough week but i will defend jimmy nelson but what are you what are you expecting from jimmy nelson this year well you know i think he's going to be a real nice piece out of the bullpen for us you know and and just for the listeners who don't know his story i mean it's pretty 
uh, amazing. Uh, the guy was a, a real solid starter for Milwaukee. And, and, you know, he was clipping along to be uh, a real piece of, of, of the puzzle there in Milwaukee for, for quite a while. And, and then he was in a game in, in September of 2017 in, in uh, Wrigley Field. And he smashed a double. Well, he thought it was going to be a double off, off of the wall in Wrigley. And, and he got halfway to second and he said, oh, no, Javi Baez has got the ball and I'm in trouble. So he, 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 he turned around and he slid into first base and he just jammed his pitching arm into the base. And, and the guy was so, you know, he was such a gritty guy that he just he went out and actually pitched another inning with with his damage to his to his pitching arm and, and, and he ended up having to miss the rest of the season. And, and, and then, you know, then he had elbow problems. Then, then he came to the Dodgers and he had back problems last year. And, and that's why he, his, his option wasn't picked up and they just gave him the minor league contract. But when he got into spring training, he came ready to play and his, his ERA during the spring was 0.00. .00. And, and that's not nothing. I, I, and I think, you know, he might've been a little amped up with those two pass balls in the, in the, in the first game. And, and maybe, uh, you know, and he didn't pitch badly today. I, I think kind of maybe uh, he, he got, he gave up that one double and a walk and uh, it wasn't horrible, but, but I, I, I think, you know, he got the three strikeouts in the, in the, in the inning. So, so, I, he's a, a guy that can get a strikeout when you need one. And, and uh, I think, you know, he might not, it, it all depends what happens when, when uh, Gratterall and Kelly come back, you know, I think he's probably the first piece to go once those two guys get back, but you know, he's, so he's got a limited window of opportunity here that he, he really needs to, to shine. And, and he, he had off to a little bit of a rocky start, but I, I think, you know, Today was better than the first day, and and hopefully the next time will be better than today. So uh, I I think Jimmy Nelson will will turn out to be a nice piece for us. I look I agree with I'm rooting for Jimmy Nelson because I just think if Jimmy Nelson is good, it makes the Dodgers bullpen that much better. Uh, his numbers this week: he pitched an inning and two thirds, he gave up three earned runs, he had three bases on balls, but he had four Ks. And like I said, I'll, I'll defend him. I agree with you. I don't think he pitched that badly. That double that he gave up that brought in those two runs, Chris Taylor was shaded to right center. The guy, he didn't even hit it that hard. He just hit it to where the outfielder wasn't. You know, if Chris Taylor is playing dead center, I think Chris Taylor gets to that ball. The inning is over and we're not having this discussion and we're having, hey, Jimmy Nelson had a nice bounce back. One thing I think we also need to take into account is when that game, you had a runner on second base, you had two outs, it was a 4-2 ball game, he struck out Trevor Story, okay? He didn't just strike out some chunk there. He lost his composure in that inning. He lost his control. I think after that second out, when he thought it was the third out, that he was already walking off the mound, I think he lost something there because he walked the next batter on four straight balls. But the fact that after he gave up that double, that he was able to strike out Trevor Story, 
I think that bodes a very good sign. And you're right, because after the first game, his ERA was 27, and now his ERA is 16 point something. So it, it is it is getting better. Progress. So exactly progress. So and, and that, that was, that, I mean that was high heat with with uh, Trevor Story. He, he just yeah ate him up. Yeah, so th- these are just little snippets of these wonderful, wonderful preview series that Stephen Webb has done for every position uh, on this Dodgers roster. All these articles are available on the Dodger Beats website, so Dodgers Beat website. So I suggest that, that you guys all go on there, check them out, and get ready for this season. We're just starting. It's the first full week of baseball, and it's good to actually be talking baseball. Right, Alonzo? No lies detected. I I, uh, I have two questions for you, Stephen. Only, only because I, as Juan knows, I like to play devil's advocate. One, if Jimmy Nelson turns the ship around, which I I expect him to. I'm I'm a I'm a Jimmy Nelson guy, um, and they not just because of his story, but his stuff is legit. Um, let's say he turns it around, and Bruce Starr and Joe Kelly come back. What do they do then? What do you think they do then? And then two. Uh, you, you were talking about how you weren't high up on Matt Beatty. Who would you say you are super high on going into the season? Well, there's the easy answers. Of course, I could say Corey Seager. That would right. be, that would be fun. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I I think uh, Gavin Lux is going to be uh, have a breakout year. I I that's that's the guy I'm really high on. Who's who's maybe a little under the radar for most Dodger fans because he's he's sort of underperformed in previous uh, incarnations of the Dodgers. So, so hopefully I, I think we can expect good things from, I mean, he had a great weekend. Um, so I'm feeling good about Gavin Lux so far. Um, and as f- what, what will they do when, when Kelly and, and Gratterall come back, boy, that's, that's, I, I don't know who I would get rid of it, to be honest. I, I like Jimmy Nelson and I'd like to see him hang around. Um, but uh, boy, uh, I guess Gonsolin's on the rack now. De- Dennis Santana's in, so I, I certainly would take Jimmy Nelson over Dennis Santana. Um, uh, so, so we'll we'll see uh, how long Gonsolin's going to be out with this injury. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back quickly and be ready. But you know, I I always think that that maybe you know once the miners get up and running. They'll want to get Gonsolin more innings right. uh, and and just want want him to get some work in. So I could see him, you know, going up and back and up and back a lot and getting starts down in Oklahoma City. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, 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 I would like Jimmy Nelson to be on the team for a while and see what he can do. I give him a, a good month before we make any decisions on, on his but- future. And, and I had I, made I, that I, prediction, too, about Tony, that he would be like the marquee 3A guy going into the season anyway. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened. And sorry, Juan, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, no, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, I think it's going to be a while before we see Joe Kelly up here. Uh, I think Steven's right. I think probably Dennis Santana will be the first one to go down. Right. But I think someone who should be a candidate to go down, and it's I, I, nothing against the guy. I just... Is Scott Alexander? Uh, you know, I don't know that we need another lefty in the in the bullpen. I think Victor Gonzalez is proving himself as reliable. The only thing, and I think we'll get into this later on, is 
being that David Price is your other lefty out of the bullpen, how often can you use David Price? Uh, are you going to have to give him rest? So, but I think Scott Alexander might be a candidate. Only you know, that's not, up a, to, it, not a bad choice. Ahead, not, a, not a bad choice. I mean, Alexander was kind of the forgotten man last year. You know, he was off yeah. the roster and, and he, uh, did he even pitch in September? I don't think so. Um, he was, he disappeared at the end of the year. Yeah. And, and it's just, I, and I only, I bring up Alexander again, also just because for that last spot in the bullpen, it was between him and Dennis Santana. So obviously right. with Bruce Dark coming back and what was really interesting, did you guys know this, but the reason why Bruce Dark got that late start in spring training was because he had COVID. I did not know that. I thought they they kept that really under the radar, really hushed. So he was behind because it took him a while to recover from COVID. I thought it was visa issues like, like uh keyboard. So that's, well, listen, if, if he's listening to this, uh, get feeling better uh, as a, as a fellow person that had the COVID it's, it's, it's a rough thing to come back from um, moving along though. Let's look at the series, the series, the Dodgers, the Dodgers had some missed opportunities in game one. Uh, the uh, arguably the best lefty of his generation, Clayton Kershaw struggled. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I look back, I wish that I, I, that I could have watched this game with Roger just because I could, I could feel the anger coming through the text messages and the concern. And literally in my mind, it's like, yo, it's game one, <laughs> it's game one. Like it's let's, let's just take a breather here for a second. But uh, you know, Kershaw, obviously. Alonzo? Yes. Alonzo? Go ahead. You're mistaken. That was Quan's messages. Oh, oh, yeah, who's the one that broke up Julio's no hit bid today? Yeah, that was that was cold blooded. You would have been <laughs> immediately ejected from the dugout within seconds. Like, yo, uh, unfortunately, also, that was do- uh, Clayton Kershaw's worst opening day outing of his career. He got rocked. Um, you know, he, he allowed five runs on 10 hits, just it just straight up was not a good time. Um, but you know, they were able to write the ship in game two. Uh, you know, the, we, we, we had, uh, talked about it offline a little bit, but, uh, Trevor Bauer with an impressive debut, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, what transpired, you know, after the, the, uh, the no hit component got a little dicey there. And, uh, you know, we saw the debut of David Price even in that game, um, you know, but they were able to, to hold on to that and, and, you know, take that game. And then, uh, and then Walker Buehler started after that. And, uh, you know, he, a little bit of a rocky start, no pun intended. But again, they were able to, to kind of, you know, stay in cruise control. And then today, Julio Diaz, I mean, what else can you say about Julio? I mean, that dude just looks like he just left game seven, you know, game that game of the World Series, came in here and just kept it going. And I mean, he, he was rolling. So all in all, as we look at the series recap, obviously it started rocky, ended great. Uh, we'll start with Juan. Juan, how do you feel, you know, kind of, obviously it's the first series. So it's like the Monday morning quarterback situation everyone's going to overreact. Oh no, what the hell? But anyway, be that as it may, how do you feel after you've seen not only four games, but four games at Coors, which is one of the harder places to play in general? Well, here's the thing, right? I think the Dodgers are, are in a little tough situation in the sense where the minimum that was expected of them was to win three out of four. If they would have swept the Rockies, everyone would have said, well, you guys beat the Rockies. You guys didn't beat anybody. Right. But if they would have split the series or even worse, if they would have lost the series, 
it would have been the end of the world because Bill Plasky calls this the greatest team ever. It'd be like, how do you lose to the Rockies, right? So the Dodgers did what they were supposed to do, which I think is a very good sign. If you keep winning series and series, by the end of the year, you're more than likely winning the division. And I, I can't stress enough how I think how important it is to actually win the division. You don't want to go into a wild card game where either you're going to face the Mets, maybe, or you're going to face the Braves. You know, so I think it's very important that they do win the division. So they got to beat up on these teams. They got to win these games against the, the Rockies, against the Diamondbacks, teams that they're better. They have to win the series. The one thing that I am most impressed about was the starting pitching. Even though Kershaw did not, uh, you know, pitch well, I don't think he pitched badly either. I don't think his numbers represent, accurately represent how he pitched in that game. Uh, his defense did not help him at all in that game. They also, you got to tip your hat off to the Rockies. I think the Rockies were doing a really good job of just hitting the ball where the Dodgers weren't. They were beating the shifts. So, yeah, it was a rough outing. But other than that, Bauer gave you seven innings. Bueller gave you six. And then Urias gave you seven plus. I love that. I'm a firm believer in that Aussie Guillen rule where you tell the starter, you give me six. I don't care how bad you, you are or how much you're getting hit. You give me six. If your starters can consistently give you six innings with the way this bullpen is, I mean, we can get into Jansen. We can get into Corey Knable, uh, Victor Gonzalez. There were some pitch, uh, some relief pitchers that I think looked really, really sharp in that first week. So for me, the thing that I'm most encouraged about this start, and who knows whether it's going to be maintainable, but the starters giving length, I think, is really, really important. No, and I agree with that. I uh, uh, personally, I think that the Dodgers you know, pitching staff as a whole, not just the starters, but the relievers being able to adjust because in order, I mean, adjusting at any ballpark is one thing. Adjusting at Coors is a completely different thing. Clayton Kershaw did not have any bite on any of his breaking balls. Truthfully, I don't even think that's his fault. That's just the Coors effect. You know, Coors does that, right? And then, you know, but at the same time, you know, guys were able to adjust. Walker Buehler, that start kind of shows you that. It started a little rough and then he was able to kind of get into the zone a little bit, if you will. And he was able to cruise there towards the end of, of his start. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where, where obviously it's the first series of the season. So, every, you know, everything's weird. Obviously, there's still COVID protocols in place from the spring until now. And uh, so, I mean, regardless, it's still kind of a weird season again. Once again, the only difference is there's also fans now. So I, I know those guys are also getting accustomed to fans being in the stands because it throws, you know, throws things for a loop to a certain degree. So all in all, though, uh, what I was the most impressed with myself, Corey Knable came out, and even though it was a very brief appearance, you know that that that's an appearance that he needed, and that's the kind that's the kind of you know go if 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 you will that he needed to kind of show everyone okay he still has it. So in in my opinion, he's one of the marquee relief pitchers when he's healthy, and he showed that you know with with his outing, and uh, and that was huge for him because you know we the expectations were high for Walker, they're high for Trevor. And they're high for ODS. So we knew what was going in. But I think one of those, like, as Steven said a few minutes ago, uh, an unforgotten guy is Corey Knable. Because that dude very easily could be a closer. He could be a setup guy. And he could be, you know, to a certain degree, a long relief guy. He's very versatile. 
And if you guys remember back in 2017, when the Dodgers faced them in that postseason, it's when they did the whole reliever as a starter thing. And he was one of those guys that they threw into that mix and he's got electric stuff. So for me, that was huge going into that. Uh, the, the, and before I get to Steven, one, one last thing uh, about Julio. Julio, not only did he go the seven plus, but it, w- it was a very efficient start. 79 pitches. 79 pitches. That's insanity. And then furthermore, uh, not only seven innings plus, but three hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts at Coors. So, I mean, all in all, I mean, th- that sort of stuff, you know, to see out of Julio going into this year. And as you guys, re- you know, you, you guys know, of course, I don't know if Steven does, but we had uh, uh, Rafael Arroyo on who worked with Julio and he was telling us what to look out for. And it was his breaking ball. And that changeup was elite today. And the way that he was moving everything from high to low and working the zone, that's the Julio that I expected. And that's the Julio that if, if we have that all year, again, he's showing everyone that what everyone thinks he is, he's a, a number two anywhere else that isn't the Dodgers. And that's what's, that's what's preposterous about this rotation is that they have a guy that's number two, that's their four guy. So that's insanity. But, uh, but on that note though, Steven, what, what was your uh, takeaway from the series and how did you feel about everything? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I really liked what I saw from Knable. And, and just to remind the listeners who might not be following his career that much, in 2017, the guy had a 178 ERA. It's over se- 76 performances. I mean, that's, that's, you know, unreal. You know, if we can get a 176 out of him this year, I don't expect it. But, but that, that is, I mean, he's got some elite stuff. And, and if, if he can get back to where he was, back in 2017 it, it would be unbelievable it, w- it would just i mean he, he would be like and i i like it what what roberts did you know he, he gave jansen the day off and said you know canaples my guy today and and uh you know and if, if now trinan is another guy who you know once was an elite closer so so you've got three guys who potentially uh could be uh, big guys, big step up guys in the ninth inning. And, and that's, that's a very good position for Dave Roberts to be in. Cause he could go matchups. He could, he could look at, at uh, you know, who's, who's got the hot hand at the moment. And I, th- I think Canable, if, if he continues to pitch like this is going to be, um, he's going to be, he's going to give Roberts the opportunity to say, I'll use Jansen when I know I can get something out of Jansen and I don't have to run him out there every time I have a closed situation. Um, and because I think Jansen's days of being in a closer every day are kind of over. I think, I think he, he, he'll close when, when the time is right, but I don't think he can pitch, you know, successive days or three days in a row and, 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 and have a, have a successful outing anymore. So, you know, the guy's 30, what, 33 now. So, so he's got to be treated with kid gloves, I think. So Canable and Trinan, I mean, Trinan didn't look that great this, this, this weekend, but, but ho- hopefully we can get more out of him as well. Cause Trinan had his moments last year. And, and uh, if, if he can get back to uh, some form, like he was in with Oakland, he, we could see a real, um, variety of closers this year well and also with trinan there was a i don't remember who tweeted it so forgive me but someone tweeted a a sequence of his pitches dang 
that dude, the movement on that dude's on the bite on his balls is, is, is insane. So, you know, if they can get Trinan, if they can get Knable, you know, going, you know, you know, to that elite level, if you will, that that's, that's just not fair in the bullpen, like that back end of the bullpen, that's just insanity. And, and again, what's crazy about that too, is you, you still add Victor Gonzalez to the mix. You know, you're still able to get David Price, who once David Price after, obviously there was, you know, the home runs, right? But after those home runs, he settled down and and he didn't, you know, he didn't let it fluster him, if you will. And he was able just to kind of get it going. You know, that's that's one of those things where you can use him as a super reliever, just as Boston did a couple of years ago. And that, again, it's that, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, but the embarrassment of riches that the Dodgers have, it's not even fair. And again, if Corey Knebel can be, we'll say even 70% of 2017 Corey Knebel, I would say, so it, obviously there isn't like a Cy Young for relievers, but if there was a Cy Young for relievers, Corey Knebel would have got it in 17 because that's just how lights out he was. And what's insane was he wasn't even the closer. That's what's crazy about that. But uh, I mean, if the Dodgers can get 70% of that, 80% of that, I will take it just because that, I mean, the, the that, that dude's stuff is elite, even if it's not a hundred percent, that's what's crazy about it. You know, it's, I mean, I, I just want to, preface this with everybody it's the first week of the season right i totally understand you know the thing about Corey canable was that Corey canable got to pitch last year and he was actually even though his numbers may not have represented and i think that's why it was so smart for the dodgers to do it i think the dodgers saw that he was still recovering from his surgery last year so maybe he wasn't up to par Maybe we're going to see the benefits this year because Corey Knievel is going to be back to what he was. To point out David Price and to Jimmy and go back to Jimmy Nelson, these are guys that haven't, in Jimmy Nelson's case, he hasn't pitched since 2018. In David Price's case, he hasn't pitched till 2019. I have to think that it was probably maybe some butterflies or maybe being on the mound in a game that actually counts for the first time in a long time. So I would like to monitor those guys and see how those guys progress as the season goes on, because I, 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 I think they can get better. And one thing I do want to point out to you guys though, because I saw a lot of this on the social media was Dave Roberts was getting a lot of hate for the lineups uh, this weekend already giving guys days off a third game into the season, a fourth game into the season. But I think this is who the Dodgers are. I think if you're upset about that, I don't think you follow the Dodgers because this is what the Dodgers do. They give their players rest. Well, I mean, what did you guys think of day three? Justin Turner is already on the bench. I was cool with it. Um, the way I look at it is it's 162 game season, right? And Justin Turner is not 20 anymore, not 25, not even 30. Right. So, you know, you, you need to give your rest. Uh, it's like the NBA thing, the load management thing, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get your guys, you know, get the reps in obviously, but let them get their days off. But at the same time, you have Chris Taylor on, on the bench. You have Edwin Rios on the bench. We have, you know, the, the emerging star of Zach McKinstry on the bench, you know, Matt Beatty, who you obviously you guys are not too stoked about, but he's on the bench. You know, it's Austin Barnes, even personal catcher to Clayton Kershaw on the bench. So, you know, you, you got to get those guys, their reps too, because at the end of the day, 
you know, your, your superstars are going to, you know, everyday players. Right. But at the same time, they got to breathe too. So, I mean, I'm hundred percent cool with it, but the Dodgers are also showing everyone they have the depth to do that. Like just as a minute ago, as Steven said, Hey, my, my horse today in the ninth is going to be Corey Knable. Tomorrow it's going to be Kenley Jansen. The day after that, it's going to be Blake Trinan. There's not a lot of teams that, that have that option to be able to do those sorts of things day in, day out. And the way that they're able to, you know, strategically do that over a long weekend series, your first series, and they're also playing at altitude. So, you know, you have to take that into account as well. But, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's great for, for a lot of those guys because then it's also, you know, letting guys rest because Corey Seager, a lot of people think he's injury prone, right? So, you you know, he also had major surgeries. Let's not forget that either. I mean, the surgeries that he had, they weren't just minor surgeries. But, you know, he's getting his breaks in. So, you know, again, I, I'm cool with it. I'm 100% okay with it. I'm You know, I, you can't expect guys to play all 162 games, especially, you know, going in, coming in from a shortened season last year to this year. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I It didn't bother me because – you know, I was a little surprised. I thought, well, why isn't Mookie in the lineup today? And but, but you know, the more I think about it, you know, they're doing a night game followed by a day game followed by travel. It's it's not you know the easiest schedule. Even if you have good legs and and uh, in Colorado, that that sometimes is not what you got. So so I didn't mind at all. It was it was okay. And and I, I think you know the point is you want these guys fresh in September and October, right? You, so, you know, like uh, Robert said, you know, we're not playing a six month season. We're playing an eight month season and we got to get ready to be playing all the way till almost November 1st. And, and that's what they have to think about that. They're not, they're not going to be, you know, cashing in their chips in September and letting minor leaguers play. They, they're going to be fighting all the way to the end. And, and even if they're coasting in September, that they're, they'll want to stay fresh because they've got a whole month of October, hopefully, that they're going to have to play through. So, so I, don't, I don't mind it at all. And, also you know, they I, just, and they also have seven games in a row to start the season. So I'm cool with it 100%. True. Uh, you know, I can't, we've gone 30 minutes into this and we haven't brought up the fact that Kenley Jansen pitched a five out save on Saturday. Five, I mean, he went an inning and two thirds. Now, mind you, I will say this when CJ Crone hit that ball off him, I thought that ball was gone. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, Kenley's going to get destroyed. It's his first outing of the season. And this, he gives up a three run home run. But going back to Steven's point, I think this is a good problem to have for the Dodgers. I mean, if you can lean on Jansen on nights to do that, give you a five out, give you a four out save, knowing that you got Corey Knable that you can use the next day. I mean, I still love the movement that Blake Trinan has on his ball. I just don't know if Blake Trinan can even control that movement. I think the problem is, is because Blake Trinan has that so much movement on it. And also he throws hard. If someone just squares up that ball, it's going to go far. Well, the reason that we didn't bring up Kenley yet is because it was a, it was a quiet inning in a third. And that's, to be honest, that's the best handling that we want. Uh, you know, because you, you didn't think that ball that Cronin hit off of him was gone. Did anybody else think that ball was gone? I, I thought I well, that swing looked so sweet. It was like, yeah. oh man. Well, and also, I, I, I was it's I was writing his obituary, but as the ball was flying. <laughs> but it's also Coors. I mean, you 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 can get a Zach McKinstry. 
that ball anywhere else is probably a pop out. Uh, and then that ball, you know, it, the, the Tapia inception that happened and it turned into an inside the park home run. I mean, that's the Coors effect. Pe- people don't think that the Coors effect's real. It's legit. Like if you've never played there, if you've never seen a game there, it, it's wild. Like routine pop-ups turn into home runs sometimes there. It's insanity. I'm telling you guys, I, I logged into Twitter and all I saw was, oh my God, oh my God. I looked on the TV and Kelly Jansen was pitching. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? It was and an UCLA it- game, so. <laughs> well, and Roger, as as we uh, uh, wrap up the segment here, I, I kind of wanted to hear from you. How, how do you feel about the, uh, uh, you know, the, the the failure of the three to one series win by the Dodgers? Yeah, I was hoping for four and zero, but I guess we'll take the three and one. I guess we'll take the three and one. <laughs> you know, th- you know, something going back to the first game. The I think they blew a lot of scoring opportunities. Um, you know, they had. Uh, Today was three nothing, like what into the seventh. They had yes. like one hit, so it was like kind of a lot of missed opportunities. You know, the second game they, they obviously they poured it on from the start, but the rest of the games it wasn't really that big offensive outburst. So I was kind of hoping you know maybe it was you know Colorado, but obviously Colorado is known for a lot of runs, but it didn't happen. But you know just getting started. So hopefully you know starting tomorrow in Oakland and see what happens there. You know Oakland hasn't won a game which as I mentioned earlier, that doesn't, uh, I hope that's not bad for the Dodgers. That means they might win all three of the games, but we'll see what happens in Oakland. Uh, Maybe face with the positivity. <laughs> coming in hot with that positivity. I mean, I always look at it when, when a team is just like lost three games, I'm like, crap. I mean, you know, they're due for a couple wins at least, right? Well, so. let me give you this stat to make you feel just a little better. The Dodgers have won 30 of their last 38 games against the Rockies dating back to 2018. Does that make you feel a little better on the inside? Yeah, but let's 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 get Oakland now. So I'll, I'll, I'll feel <laughs> good if we, sweep, if we sweep in Oakland. I'll I'll be I'll be happy. Well, and and you know what? You helped me with the perfect segue into the next thing. What, what you know, we ran into it. We 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 joked about it in our group text, but uh, but in mid mid season form, the Dodgers left a bunch of runners in scoring position. Uh, I'm gonna start this one with Steven. Steven, are are you worried about that at all? You know, obviously that's kind of lingered around the last couple of years. But are you worried about that at all going into this year? Well, I mean, you have to dig to find something to worry about with the Dodgers, but but that is is one of them for sure. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about middle relief. Um, it uh, they're they're not clutch. Um, you're you're right. And and on Thursday it was a whole lot of not clutch, but they they played much. They were much better. They were eight of eighteen with runners in scoring position uh, on uh, on Friday night's game. So when they when they got the ten runs, so they were they were and they had some timely two out hitting uh, on Saturday. So you know that those those two things bode well. So I think it got better as the weekend progressed. Um, so I hope that uh, maybe we can gets a little bit more clutch hitting because you're, you're right. That's been a, a thorn in the Dodgers side for a while. No, and, and, and Juan, uh, the reason I wanted to leave you to the end is because I, I just wanted to hear animated Juan. So, so please just take the floor. I was going to tell you, you know how I feel about this. I feel like, you know, <laughs> runners in scoring position, runners left on base is just one of those things that just drives me absolutely through the wall. Yes, I was opening day where I kept texting you guys just saying we are going to be the left on base champions of 2021. But again, I had in the bottom of the first, <laughs> in the bottom of the first, we got the left on base champions. 
I, I mean, I will tip my hat to Herman Marquez on opening day because he clearly didn't have it, but he made the pitches. He got the double plays when he needed to in order to limit the damage. So the Dodgers aren't out there. I've said this plenty of times. They're not out there playing against themselves. There are other people on that field that are trying to beat them. But that being said, I, I mean, that first game was just the one thing I am encouraged about is they got out homered in this series and the Dodgers still won the series three to one. And that to me is a very good sign. The, the ability to manufacture runs, I think, is much more important than hitting home runs. I know I may sound like Steve Lyons right now and say that home runs are rally killers. No, I don't subscribe to that. But when you're facing really good pitching, I don't think you can depend on, oh, we'll just, you know, the old Earl Weaver school of thinking, which is we'll just hit a three-run home run and, and we'll be good. I mean, in that first inning in today, the Dodgers didn't have a hit. And they scored three runs. And that was more than enough for Julio today, the way he's pitching. I mean, I'm sure what today's game was probably like a throwback to the, our fans who are old enough, probably watching in the 1960s Dodger baseball when Sandy Koufax was winning games one to nothing because Koufax wasn't getting any run support. So I, I will say this, uh, Coors Field is just weird. So I do think it is hard to... Uh, to figure out, okay, what is this team? Because that outfield is just so huge. And then a couple of those balls that were hit off of our pitchers that went out for home runs, I don't think were hit hard. They just carried. Yeah, they made mistakes. So I, in terms of, it just drove me crazy because it was opening day. It was opening day and poor Kershaw wasn't pitching well. And for, I mean, Kershaw could have very easily have gotten the win which brings me up to the, I'm going to digress here. Is the stat of the win now completely useless? I heard a stat on today's broadcast. Actually, it was from yesterday's that Gray, the pitcher for the Rockies, has the same amount of wins as Jacob DuGrom in his really? career. Yeah. Jacob Gray does, really? That's that's what uh, Joe Davis said. If, if I'm wrong, then all tweets should go to Joe Davis. But Joe Davis <laughs> said that John Gray had the same amount of career wins as Jacob DeBron. And I, I'm only digressing here because, you know, for me, Kershaw is a Hall of Famer. But I don't know if we're going to see any pitcher win 300 games anymore. And I just think, you know, if the Dodgers would have opened up the runs, if they would have cashed in on those runners in scoring position in those first two innings, maybe Kershaw wins that game. Yeah, maybe Kershaw doesn't pitch that well, you know, but he still got you into the sixth inning. He qualifies for the win. I mean, we're going to I think Kershaw might top out at the by the end of his career, just hitting barely over 200 wins. I don't think we're going to see a 300 win pitcher anymore in in the lifespan of in the life uh, span of Major League Baseball. Am I am I wrong here, guys? I don't, I don't think there's going to be another 300 guy winner. By the way, I have John Gray winning 45 wins and having 45 wins, and Jacob Degrom having 70. So okay, so we need so to at at Joe Davis right there. All the listeners here at Joe Davis because Joe Davis dropped that stat in yesterday's game and i'll go back to mlb tv and and capture that for everyone i'm just waiting for joe davis to sue this podcast for slander <laughs> libel defamation the whole thing it's gonna happen i'm sorry oh. joe it's not my fault I don't think uh, joe, da 
scratch Joe Davis off the list. Yeah, we can take. I mean, we, the list is getting bigger by the day. It's impressive. Um, but I, I agree with. I, I do think. I, don't, I, uh, obviously, this could be a ton podcast. I don't think there's going to be another 300 win guy. I, I just don't. I can't see it. Yeah, I would say Kershaw might might make it to 250. Yeah, but 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 that would that would take five pretty decent years. And I don't know, does he have five 15 year win years left in him? I don't know. Uh, probably not. He's, he's like, he's got probably two good years left in him. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do at the end of this contract. It, it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. Um, he, he might uh, go free agent on us and head back to Texas. We'll see. You know, it, it's, we, we, we talked about it and uh, I, I still don't know because he also came out and said that he's not ready to retire either. So it could go either way, but you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. But uh, looking ahead though, to, uh, to the rest of this upcoming week, this next week, you guys talked about it. They go to Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta athletics, wrong ATL. Um, and we see the debut of Dustin May. And uh, we also, ironically, it's going to be against our old friend Frankie Montes. Uh, I am curious, Stephen. I just wanted to ask you, since you wrote the, uh, you know, by the position player uh, preview series, what are you expecting out of Dustin May this season? Uh, good things. I, I, I think he's he's poised for a great season. Um, I I thought he should should be the fifth starter, but I thought that maybe Roberts would give it to to price just sort of as a, a gift uh, for, for the track record. But I think, I think Dustin May is the better pitcher right now than David price for, um, and, and I, I could see him, you know, dominating this year. I really could. And, you know, out of the five hole, that's, that's going to be, you know, that that's the thing about the Dodgers. When you get the Dodgers in a series, you, you don't get lucky any day. You know, like Julio Urias was just lights out, and this, and people say, okay, we survive Julio Urias, but now we get the five pitcher, in, and it's Dustin May throwing ninety nine and breaking off balls that that you can't even see how it happens physically. So, I I think Dustin May is going to have a great year. I really do. No, and I agree with that. I uh, you know obviously he had a strong strong spring. He beat out David Price and Tony Gonsolin for that fifth spot in the Dodgers rotation. And uh, last year he went three and one with a 257 ERA in 12 appearances. So it's not like, you know, it's pedestrian numbers by any stretch. Likewise, not beating out just, you know, Joe Schmo for that fifth spot either. He beat out David Price, you know, Cy Young guy, you know, just, you know, legit. So I, I'm, I'm expecting good things to come from him. Uh, Juan, what I'm curious to hear from you is, so in games two and three, we have Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer going. Obviously, we know what happened with Clayton with that, you know, beginning uh, uh, opening day start, just getting rocked. Uh, you know, a lot of those six runs, five of them were earned uh, on uh, 10 hits. And then Trevor took a no hitter into the seventh inning in his first start, his Dodgers debut. Uh, you know, but obviously that four run uh, seventh cost him the, the quality start. So I'm kind of curious to hear from you. What are you expecting from both of these guys going into their second starts of the season against a currently struggling Oakland athletics uh, team, mind you for series, nonetheless, still on three. Uh, 
before I tell you that, I just want to go back to I may have misheard Joe Davis. So I don't want Dude. to do any slander <laughs> on Joe Davis. I may have misheard you. I am going to go back and listen to that broadcast, but I could have sworn that's what I heard. But anyway, Joe Davis, please don't hate us. Maybe you should just come on to the show and defend yourself and call me an idiot here to my face. I have no problem doing that. I will admit when I'm wrong. Uh, in terms of the series upcoming, you know, one of the things that I'm really interested to see I, I obviously I want to see how Kershaw bounces back, especially if the A's are struggling offensively. If we don't see Kershaw pitching, if, if there's no break on his pitches, because, you know, he didn't look very good his last few spring training outings before the season started. And I don't think he pitched badly, but, but he didn't pitch good in on opening day. So I think it's important to see Kershaw uh, bounce back and have a solid start. But what I'm most interested in seeing is Trevor Bauer pitching the second time around with Will Smith as his catcher. And primarily because Will Smith has a reputation now that I, I don't know, for some reason that I, I, I've heard this, that he just doesn't handle the pitching staff very well. And maybe that most true at some point last year. But I mean, Julio pitched a hell of a game today and Will Smith was catching. Bueller pitched well, he gave them six innings, and Will Smith was catching. Now, I know it's a good problem to have, the fact that you can have Austin Barnes and Will Smith behind the plate, but I have to say, I don't know how much longer we can keep Will Smith from not playing every day. I mean, Will Smith, I mean, the guy is four for seven on the series. I know it's a limited sample size, but he hit a home run today, and I thought the reason why this guy got into the majors was because of his defense. I was not expecting this from his bat, and last year he was solid, and this year he seems to be just really seeing the ball very well. So I'm curious to see Trevor Bauer in the second, second time around and also Will Smith catching him because if Bauer, again, gives us another solid start, if he's dominating again, I, I maybe that whole storyline about Will Smith not being able to handle this pitching or not handling this pitching staff as well as Austin Barnes will go away. But maybe again, am I hearing this wrong? Did no one else hear this about Steven? Did you hear anything about Will Smith not handling the pitchers well last year? I've, I have not heard that, but, but it's, wow. I'm it's, just going to stop talking. Yeah, well, it, it could be, it could be. Uh, it's interesting what you mentioned about Trevor Bauer. And, and I, I, I want to ask you guys your opinion on this sure. because there was like two uh, comparison games that you could w watch this weekend. Uh, one was the Trevor Bauer game where he had a no hitter through six came out in the seventh and things did not go well for him. Right. Uh, and, and, and it was touch and go there for a little, I mean, luckily the Dodgers had all those runs, but, but they didn't, uh, play that well uh, in that, that seventh inning. Uh, cut to uh, Milwaukee, where Jose Barrios for the Twins was also throwing a no-no through six, and they lift him. So is it, is, which, which move do you prefer at this point in the season? I mean, obviously, if, if, you're, if you're built up and you're going and you got a no-hitter going, you say, well, let him go as long as he can go. But, but uh, 
they lifted Barrios and he had not a hit on his on his resume at that moment. So what do, what do you think? You, you agree with that move or do you think it would be better like to go the Bauer route and just let it let it play out? Look, I told I te- I texted Roger and I said it doesn't matter because Roberts is going to pull him because I was just thinking of that game uh, I don't know how long ago the the Sterling game uh, the Ross Stripling oh, Stripling yeah, the, yeah. the Ross Stripling game in San Francisco now mind you Stripling was just coming off the Tommy John surgery and he had more pitches but I was I was like here we go again. Roberts is going to have to make a controversial and I don't think I, I would blame him. It's too early in the season. Do you really want your pitcher going over a hundred pitches when they haven't even been stretched out yet? I lift him too. If I'm honest yeah. with you, I, I lift him. It's too early in the season. It's also mind you, obviously the Dodgers are going to make an analytical decision, right? Trevor can't be pissed about that because he's all about the analytics. So at the end of the day, for me, and I don't know what Trevor's, you know, lines are after, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, whatever, or the pitch counts, whatever. Regardless, I would have lifted him just because it's the first start of the season. Now, if he's in two or three, maybe four starts, and they're in the same situation, obviously I'd look at it a little differently. But start number one, I'm lifting him. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would have probably lifted him after that first home run. I would have said, yeah, we got enough out of you today. Thanks. What, what were you going to say, babyface? He, he was like at 75. He was like at 75 pitches, I think, going into the seventh. Yeah. So I, mean, I thought I thought to myself, the only way he's going to get a chance if he goes out in the next two innings and throws about eight pitches each inning. Right. Or else, yeah, it was too, it's too early in the season to, to let him go over 100 pitches. We knew he was going to get pulled. Well, and you know what? One thing that I, that I, I respect about Trevor – and, and that I respected about that outing is what he did, you know, a couple of days ago, the Dodgers foundation announced that uh, the case for cause or for, yeah, for a cause, I'm sorry, initiative uh, where it's a, the Trevor's going to donate a thousand dollars per strikeout. He had 10. So it's like, it wasn't like it was just some pedestrian start, you know, and he got his free jumbo jacks and jumbo jacks. Yes. But uh, because uh, you know, if the Dodgers get 10 strikeouts in a game, you get a free jumbo jack the next I thought day. It was seven. No, it's 10. Oh, it's 10. Well, shit. I mean, well, 10. I mean, there you go. Uh, you know, but tomorrow it, as well. <laughs> see? So oh, they had, they had 10 today? Yeah, 10 today. All right. So tomorrow, uh, hit up your Jack in the Box. So hit up your local Jack in the Box and get your free Yumbo Yak. Well, but, now, uh, we can, now we can thank Jimmy Nelson, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah where's the Jimmy Nelson that. hate? Where's all the Jimmy Nelson hate now? I better yeah, not you, see you in Jack in the you're, Box You're not tomorrow. hating when you're eating that free Dumbo, Jumbo Jack, are you? And where's uh, all the slander now? Exactly. Uh, and, uh, but you know what, it, it, at 10 strikeouts, it, it, again, it, it wasn't all for a lost cause, but it, as, as oral Hershiser said on the broadcast, you know, that no hitter went from, Hey, now the game's on the line. But a part of the reason he said why the game's on the line, it's course, you know, that, that's the oddity of course field. Whereas now they're going over to Oakland where it's, it doesn't have the same, you know, effect. Granted that outfield is just as gigantic, but, uh, but I'm expecting, I'm not expecting a sweep like Roger is. But uh, but two out of three, I feel like is a is a reasonable expectation going into that series. And I know Rogers in to stay up and night thinking about why isn't this just a sweet prediction? But here we are. I digress. Uh, we're so going to get sued though. We're getting sued by Joe Davis, and we're getting sued by Will Smith. I have not heard the Will Smith thing, so uh, so be prepared to be just just uh, and Jacob Degrom. Don't forget he's gonna and Jacob Degrom's also going to sue your ass. He can afford to sue you now. So he these he, are all these will hopefully all be guests thanks to me. So. <laughs> I, I will jump on the grenade for you guys. 
hey, listen, someone's got to do it because we're all getting sued. Asterisk sued. Uh, but lastly, want to end it with uh, you know the top ten jerseys uh, dropped uh, that were sold in all of baseball, and uh, and you know we're, we're this is the Mike Trout segment of the podcast, so that's that's why it's here. But uh, Mike Trout you know, is ten. Before we start, I yeah. heard it was actually the top ten since the World Series, so that's why we get a couple of like uh, a couple of uh, I guess uh, weird spots in there. But regardless, it's still unacceptable that Mike yeah, Trout's ten. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't care. I don't care if it's from like last Friday to now or whatever from the start of spring to now. There's no. There's absolutely no plausible reason that Mike Trout is at ten. And you know what? A, a notable like not on the list that I'm surprised is Shohei Otani. I'm surprised that Shohei's not on that list either. So uh, I'm kind of curious to hear from all three of you, and we'll start with Steven. Uh, how, how I, and the reason we're uh, actually, I'm just going to just preface this with Juan will be last because we're going to get sued after this segment too. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, the, the way that those rankings go, you know, and Mookie's at the top and, 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 you know, the kind of the usual suspects, you know, Cody Bellinger's on the list, et cetera. Um, do you think it's, it's fair to start, you know, essentially saying it's, it's a cataclysmic failure as to how MLB is marketing Mike Trout or, is that, you know, is there another way to kind of lay that out as to why Trout is at 10? Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to market a guy who doesn't play in October. You know, that's, that's been Mike Trout's problem. Uh, he's, he's had very few playoff appearances and, and the playoff appearances he's had have, uh, have not gone well. So uh, Mike Trout is, is sort of that mystery player playing on the West Coast doesn't help either, you know. There's a lot of games that start when everybody in New York has gone to bed and, and, you know, and you see like MLB network when they do their showcase games, they never do a West coast game. It's always, you know, where can Bob Costas go in and out Philadelphia uh, and that's about it, you know? And, and so uh, the Dodgers, I mean, have had a four-year run at World Series and near World Series uh, every year, so it's something that that uh, is logical that they would get a lot of jersey sales. My, Mike Trout just isn't on that national stage, and he just doesn't get. I mean, they had him on tonight, which God bless him for for ESPN putting putting Mike Trout out out there finally when they had the Otani and and. Uh, uh, was pitching against who was he pitching against tonight? Otani. Uh, I can't remember who from the White Sox. Uh, Juan, do you remember who it was from the White Sox? No, I, I didn't recognize the name. It could be. I know it wasn't my Cy Young pit, uh, uh, Mr. Giolito. No, it was that. not Giolito. But but uh, yeah, Giolito I think pitches tomorrow. But it, it will be uh, interesting to see uh, if you know they can get um, Mike Trout. A little more exposure because at least you know tonight they had a game angels and white Sox. that that's that's a good matchup for espn because those are two teams you don't see very often and i mean i've banged that drum for a long time it's just the 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 boston new york centric uh espn is just you know pathetic and sad to me uh, that that you know it's just so uh east coast uh, centered all of all of the national games that you see on TV that 
it's really tough for West Coast teams to get that exposure. And and I mean, the Dodgers had to kind of kick and fight their way through it. If, but you remember, you remember, like the first time that they were they were making this this real strong playoff run that they were getting day games, you know, they were getting day games that, that they were playing in the first round of the playoffs. It's like, this is Los Angeles Dodgers and you put them on day. And he said, Oh, well, we got to get those Yankees at night. It's, it's just, it, it, so this is a, a very uh, uh, sore spot with me. What's a you one? And with me, Steven. So I'll be like, I'm, I'm going to be brief because there's, I'm not going to say anything new that you haven't heard. I, I blame this at the hands of Robert Manfred and all the people that handle marketing with major league baseball. I did owe everything Steven said. I mean, Steven is, is spot on. I will say this though. Uh, I point out, he writes for ESPN, Clinton Yates, Clinton Yates had a little two minute video that he put out on Twitter. It was called drip drive. And in it, he was talking about the style of certain players he focused on Fernando Tatis. I mean, he, Bryce Harper, he did more in those two minutes to promote the game of baseball than Major League Baseball has done in the last five years. Uh, I think this list is a reflection of how poorly they've, they've marketed uh, Major League Baseball. And also, unfortunately, shows proof that baseball is no longer a national game. It is regional and Dodger fans represent. If anything, this list, I think, goes to prove to everyone that Dodger fans are hardcore baseball fans. I feel Dodger fans get a, a, a bad rap sometimes, supposedly because we show up in the third inning and we leave in the seventh inning. But we go to that stadium every year, regardless of how good or bad the team is, except when McCourt, McBankrupt owned the team. But... Other than that, this is a loyal fan base. We will spend our money. We, you know, Mookie, Cody Bellinger's on there, Kershaw's on there. And I bet you the majority of those jersey sales for Kike, especially since it's coming from the end of the World Series, are coming from Dodger fans and not Boston Red Sox fans. So for me, I, I just, I, I, I would hope that Major League Baseball would be better at showing the world how talented these guys are. Because in my opinion, the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball. And there's a lot of guys who do that well in this league and they deserve, they deserve to be superstars. No, no, uh, no lies detected. Uh, but on that note, we'll wrap up uh, this, uh, this episode of the bleed loss podcast uh, real quick. Uh, one programming or well, two things. One, uh, our podcast will be dropping every Monday now from here throughout the rest of the season. So uh, now that we're, we're, we're playing baseball, we're just going to do this thing every uh, at the end of every week. Um, and two, we have a Twitter for our podcast. It's uh, the bleed loss podcast, which is at bleed loss pod. Um, so, uh, so please give us a follow there. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast, any feedback uh, ratings, all that jazz. It helps us in trying to book people that are not trying to sue this podcast. So all of that would be really appreciated. Uh, if we are back next week and are not sued because of Juan slander, uh, we, we've all recap how the week went out. And uh, But until then, it's your boys Alonso Juan with the baby face gimmick voice in the sky, Roger. And a very, very big thanks to Stephen Webb. Stephen, where can they follow you on the internet? Uh, at Stephen R. Webb 3. There it is. Go give him a follow. The articles are dope. 
uh and again they're on on uh on our page for for dodgers beat uh but again please give us a follow at bleed lost pod and until next week we will catch you down the road stay safe and we'll see you next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.